Hello, you're listening to Notes. Today on the podcast, Evan Alexander Moore reads five notes from his phone. And I was really excited for this episode, a little bit nervous too. This is one of the first episodes that I did where I didn't know this person uh, pretty much at all before the interview started. So I had to do a little a little research. I felt very, um, what's the Hot Ones guy's name is? I don't know. I felt like the Hot Ones guy. Um, not nowhere near as good, but I had to do research for this one. And Evan Alexander Moore is a musician, and he writes a lot of like folk songs. They're really great, and they're also political songs. So I was I was kind of nervous because I knew politics would come up, and and I don't know. You, you ever? I've never met. I feel like I've never met a stranger knowing full well that the topic of politics is going to come up at some point. Um, but Evan's so great. It was such a great conversation. I had an awesome time. And definitely, definitely, definitely check out a single that's coming out on the 27th. You can find him at Evan Alexander Moore on Instagram and on Spotify. If you love uh, music and feeling good and also not being sad. No, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but definitely check that out. I was so happy to have him on the show. Number one. Um... September 30th, 2017. I want to kiss you right now, but then I'd feel obligated to find out the band's name. A cheat kiss doesn't warrant a cosmic obligation to know the band's name. I don't know what I think. Why did you write that? (laughs) That was actually a conversation with my now current uh, girlfriend. And that was our, that was our first date actually. Oh, okay. And so that was me, like, uh, we we went to the bitter end, and uh, we're, we're sitting there watching this kind of, like, very, you know, mediocre band uh, mm-hmm. playing. Uh, sorry to that, sorry to that band, but you, y'all were just okay. <laughs> um, and not, like, the most amazing thing where it's like, oh, my God, this is, like, really completing yeah. the date. Uh, just this amazing band. They were just, like, pretty good. Uh but it was during this one song where I was like, oh, I really want to like lean over and kiss her. But then I was like, but then I was like, oh, but if I do that and that's our first kiss, then I have to know the band's name. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, and so I like, I like typed out on my phone, like my thought. And I was like, I want to, and I basically wrote, I want to kiss you, but like, I don't want to find out what this band's name is. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to solidify this thing. Slid it over. I slid it over to her and she typed back a cheat kiss doesn't warrant a cosmic obligation to know the band's name. And I, I was like, I, I don't know. And then I, and then, and then we just, then we, then we kiss there. Let's but, go. Do you know uh, the band name? Uh, I remember writing it down somewhere, but I lost it. So I don't know the band's name. <laughs> I, fuck, I fucked up. That is very cute. That's very I fucked up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to ask you, this is musician small talk at this point now. Okay. I, I have to. And in. feel free to feel free to give a cliche answer because I really don't mind. You have a Bob okay. Dylan poster in the background of your of your webcam right yes. now. What 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 what's the Bob Dylan album that really speaks to you? The Bob Dylan album that speaks to me. Uh 
Oh shit! There he he is one of those artists where he has probably more. He has technically the most hit or miss discography ever. Um, yeah. But he has a he has when he hits he fucking hits. Um, mm-hmm. My go to all the time if someone asks either my favorite record or my favorite Bob Dylan record blah blah blah. Um, right. I think that's a lot of people's favorites. Um, but that one to me is just like he's at his best lyrically, songwriting. The production is fucking incredible throughout. And like, mm-hmm. I don't think any album has ever sounded like that album before. Um, mm. Before and since. Um, when was the first time you heard Blonde and Blonde? First time I heard Blonde and Blonde. Oh, man. I think I remember hearing it back in high school uh, before I started songwriting. Uh, and I just remember going like, oh, this is this is pretty good. Um, and this was like in a moment where I was like trying to expand my musical, um, my 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 uh, modern pop music, uh, music knowledge. Um, so I was listening to everything from like, yes, King Crimson, Pink Floyd. Um, right. So, like, I was just getting into, like, uh, Flying Lotus and Kendrick Lamar. Um, mm-hmm. And then in college, I got really into hip, like, really into, like, old school hip hop, like Tribe Called mm-hmm. Quest and Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre. Um, uh, so I heard it back in high school. And I remember just thinking, like, oh, this is pretty, this is pretty interesting, a little piece of music history. It didn't click until I started writing songs. Um Oh, uh, okay. I remember uh, when I first really got into Bob Dylan, I went through his discography album to album until I felt like I really got it. And then I got to Blonde on Blonde, and I was like, I, I, I think I was listening to it in my room. And I just remember going like, what the fuck? Holy, <laughs> holy shit, wait. It, like, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. That al- the album is a fucking fucking journey um yeah it really is it really is um yeah blonde blonde and blonde for sure um what do you what do you think is like the thing that dylan does that that makes you like him so much um lyrics lyrics yeah i don't think anyone has written lyrics much like him and he's able to uh go into the the kind of like abstract realm but make it feel so personal um Mm. like there's something about the way he writes these kind of like very esoteric lyrics where it doesn't Mm -hmm. just sound like someone going into into a dictionary and just going like oh yeah making weird making weird uh things i think even though i love alan ginsburg as a poet he sometimes Mm -hmm. can do this in certain poems where it'll just sound like um, something like the thrashing of a, of his hand against the against the pavement on a white winter Sunday, uh, and yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. like whoa, none of this is like I'm not connected with this. Dylan was right. the best, especially in his like in his um, kind of like electric period, uh, where he would create these kind of like vignettes that are very weird don't make sense uh, but there's something very super intimate about it 
I always think of the last verse on Visions of Joanna, where he where he says, um, um, "Oh, uh, the the back of the fish truck that loads, while my consciousness explodes." Um, uh, see the primitive wallflower freeze. On the jelly-faced women who sneeze, um, uh, like there's something very weird and doesn't make sense about it, but it's so intimate. Really, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a really good example. Mm. That, yeah, that's my favorite part about him. This is lyrics. Yeah, abstraction is so hard to do right. In my mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, just writing in general is hard. Yeah. There's one of my um, one of my favorite poets, mm-hmm. Jack Gilbert. Jack Gilbert. He has this, yeah. Oh, he's super great. If you, um, it's Jack Gilbert and The Great Fires is the book that I recommend to everybody. The Great Fires. Yeah. Um, he is a person in college who absolutely blew my mind. Because he taught me the power of just 100 words, you know, like the power of 200 words, the power of 50 words, where it's like I, he has poems that are maybe 100, 200 words that I find more compelling and deeper than full length movies, full length novels, mm-hmm. like just because of, of how uh, just how uh, just he picks every word um, so well. And uh, he also does that thing where it's like some poems are very flatly concrete and it's very much like, you know, I'm picking up a cup. I'm I'm looking at somebody's eyes or whatever. And then he has some poems that are totally abstract and uh, you have to really like find the music in the poem anyway. So there's one where he he mixes those two and it's about I'm trying to memorize it right now, but it's about his wife who had passed away. That's what most of the great fires is about, is about his wife that passed away. And he, he's having trouble finding the words to describe it. And what's the thing that most people do is like, they say like words can't describe how, how hurt I feel. And it does a disservice to language. I think when you say that, (laughs) I I think there is a way, but what he says at the beginning to open the thing he says um instead of saying that he says i say moon is horses in the tempered dark because horses is the closest i can get to it and it's just because like he's trying to find the word and for some reason the image of horses is that's that's what i have right now and then by the end of the poem he finds something more fitting wow yeah Holy shit, that's amazing. I <laughs> yeah. love that. I love that. Yeah. Is that is that the first poem? I'm looking at a at a uh uh a preview of it on Google right now. Uh yeah, let me see. Oh yeah, it's called Finding Something. Want me to read it? Yes, read it out. Cool. I'm gonna show off my Gilbert obsession for the first time. <laughs> I say moon. moon. Is horses, horses in, in the tempered dark. Because horse is the closest I can get to it. 
I sit on this terrace of the worn villa the king's telegrapher built on the mountain that looks down on a blue sea and the small white ferry that crosses slowly to the next island each noon. Michiko is dying in the house behind me. The long windows open so I can hear the faint sound she will make when she wants watermelon to suck, or so I can take her to a bucket in the corner of the high ceiling room, which is the best we can do for a chamber pot. She will lean against my leg as she sits so as not to fall over in her weakness. How strange and fine to get so near to it. The arches of her feet are like voices of children calling in the grove of lemon trees, where my heart is as helpless as crushed birds. Oh. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Yeah. That hits home. And you know what this reminds yeah. me of a little bit? Um, this might be this might be a, a, a little uh, a little too one to one, but um, it reminds me of uh, a crow looked at me by, uh, by oh. Mount Erie. Oh Elbrand. my god! <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh-huh. That holy that, moly! Just to start off your album with "Death Is Real," it's not for singing about. Yeah. That yeah. to me is like the most the bravest way you can start an album like that. It's just saying like I shouldn't be singing about this, I and agree. I don't want to sing about it. Um, yeah, one that album, in my opinion, is like one of the most important albums I've ever heard. Yeah, and for the audience at home, if in case you don't know, "A Crow Looked at Me" is a 2017 album by this band Mount Erie that was formerly a husband and wife, and his wife passed away of cancer. Um, tragically young and the husband took it upon himself to make an album like documenting days after months after um, his wife's passing and it's this journalistic uh, masterpiece I don't know yeah that that was devastating it's a devastating listen yeah I, I suggest to anyone listening um if you want to cry, listen to that album. Um, yeah, if you want to cry. And then, like, his decision to abandon, like, verse chorus structure and then to abandon, like, well, he didn't abandon typical chord progressions, but, like, something that makes sense that, that the chord progressions would, would like, uh, close the song or, like, the drums would close the song. Like, it just like adds so much to how lost he feels and how much right. of like a voice memo, like off the cuff type of like just letting it out type mm-hmm. of album. It is like, there's nothing polished about it. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and it's one of the few times where I've heard songs with such a little structure or albums with such little structure that, that are so um, compelling. Mm-hmm. Right. I think one of the most compelling things about that album is the percussion 
and the way it just yeah. kind of like creaks and it sounds like it, it it really sounds like he's making the percussion out of household items which makes you yeah. feel like you were literally in the house that his wife is dying in um yeah it's like the yeah. little kind of like and like the little i can't even describe what the percussion sounds like other than mm-hmm. just like creaking popping um like uh almost like a drum machine in mm-hmm. in a certain way but it's not really a drum machine it sounds like it sounds like like floorboards and and glasses and uh yeah plants and it just sounds like a house yeah uh, and it really places you in the moment and into where where he is at this point um yeah there's God. so many moments in that album that will be with me for the rest of my life like mm-hmm. there's the image i think it's in the first song about his wife that she ordered the backpack and it came after mm-hmm. she passed away and then there's one near the end about that they used to like to take walks to their therapist's office and she started to get too weak to take walks mm. and and then there's I'm just going to recite the whole album to you yes, and then there's please. one there's one that like in my opinion gets kind of political but very subtly which was about they were trying to make paint or maybe this is a story about the album I'm not sure but they were but they were paying for uh the treatment the cancer treatment and they eventually just ran out of money and they started selling stuff in their house and started like mm-hmm. you know and i was just so devastated by the just the idea of like going through something so traumatic and and running out of money yeah like that should that's so fucked up that should not happen in yeah that should not happen society yeah I think the the moment that has stuck with me from that album is I think it's the second song. I think it's called Seaweeds. Um, I think that's the name of the song. Uh, I'd have to look back. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's right at the end where he talks about how they would like they would like to go on walks, and there's this one specific like peak in their home that they like to go to, and he took her ashes. He took her ashes to the same spot that she loved so much and brought out a chair and put her ashes on there. Uh, and uh, I'm going to like tear up even thinking about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he like puts the ashes there and he says like, and he says like, I don't know. Like, I feel like you would have liked this, but I don't see you as those ashes. I see you as the sun. I was like, oh no. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I'm like tearing up just thinking about that line. It really, that's what, one of the most potent lines I've ever heard in a song and all. Yeah. Yeah. Like ever. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Number two, March 13th, 2020. Uh, Mac Miller, eight out of 10, uh, Poppy, eight out of 10. Um, the Stormzy, the Stormzy record, seven out of 10. Green Day, 3 out of 10. Uh, Against All Logic, 6 out of 10. Uh, HMLTD, 9 out of 10. Unlocked, 7 out of 10. We're New Again, a 7 out of 10. A Slow Rush, 8 out of 10. The Beaver, 
3 out of 10. Cavella Talk, 7 out of 10. Misanthropocene, 7 out of 10. Man Alive, 6 out of 10. Purple Moonlight Pages, 9 out of 10. Eternal Atake, or Atake, 6 out of 10. Uh, and Sugar, 8 out of 10. Um, and I still yet to listen to Suddenly by Caribou, The Disclosure EP, J Electronica, and Porridge Radio. Are those reviews for yourself? Yeah, just like, uh, I like listening to music, but often I go from album to album very quickly. So I like to kind of know, uh, like, oh, I really like that Mac Miller album that, that came out in January. Um, right. And I don't know. I just like kind of like documenting like all the music I've listened to. Mm. <laughs> so this is, the, uh, that's the new Mac Miller one, right? Yeah. It's, uh, uh, circles. I love that. I love that Yeah, album. yeah, yeah. Love that. Album. Yeah, yeah. That was so great. Yeah. Um, there was two that jumped out to me. One was the Mac Miller one, and then the other one was the Green Day one. Oh <laughs> he, yeah. He said three out of ten. Yeah, yeah. I did not like it at all. It was. Do you? Do you? Um. One of the things you know, like Anthony Fantano. One of the things I don't understand about people like that is like, how do they listen to albums they don't like? Because uh-huh. for me. If I don't like the first two songs, I'll never I won't even try and get to the mm-hmm. rest of it. You know what I mean? Right, right. Do you, how do you feel about that? How do I feel about that? Um I Yeah, think, like did you get through the whole album even though you were like, oh, three out of ten? I, I got through the whole album because I'm a person who really, really believes and like I've I've listened to some records where I hate most of it, but there's like a couple songs from like, fuck, that was a that was a really great song. I don't like anything right. else on it, but I love this one song. Um, right. And so I, I'm of the opinion that like, I'll sit through an album just to maybe even like get some kind of like, Oh, I really like the concept of it. Or mm. uh, I liked this, that, or the other about it. Um, yeah. But, but the green day album was just like, really, <laughs> I don't, there was like, I think it was, there were certain songs that were just fine. Um, that yeah. that kind of kept it above water, but like, man, that was that was maybe the second worst. <laughs> the worst one was the Beaver one. That one I couldn't get through. I knew this like, Beaver's new album, the Beaver new album. Yeah, I could not get okay. get through it. Um, <laughs> Did you like the single? Did you like Yummy? <laughs> Ew, <What>? no. <laughs> Fuck that song. I hate I that song I really despise and the fact yeah. that have you seen like all the weird promotion he did for that song? Not really, no, I only saw the video. Oh, he blasted it on every single thing he could and the mm-hmm. most excruciating part of it was he would like do Instagram lives or or, or I think it was Instagram lives and right. he would like bring on fans to talk uh to him. Uh, and he would just be, they would like come on and be like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, Justin, I love your music. You're, you're so important to me. And he, and he goes, that's great. Have you streamed, uh, yummy yet? And then like, <laughs> yeah, I have. And it's like, good. Throw it on Spotify and turn the music down and just let it play while you're sleeping. Oh, like, I've heard of that. Bro- yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that's disgusting. That's just that's so fucked up. It's really fucked up. And he and he doesn't even do it in like a like a really like 
charming way. He just, it's very clear what he's doing. Um, yeah. Very, very clear. Just brazenly just bulldozing over, over whatever they have to say, just to be like, all right, you got to get yummy to the top. We got it. Yeah. Number one. Um, what, what, what do you think is going through his, I mean, I know what's going through his head, but like, it sucks that he's at such a point where it's not even about, do people like this song? Mm-hmm. It's just like, how do I get this number up? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like maybe, maybe, maybe let's say all of his diehard fans, 10,000 of them do that and then inflate the numbers mm-hmm. in two years. Like, is anyone going to be listening to your song? Like, does anyone, why did that matter? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, to, to answer your question, I really don't know what, what the hell's going through his head. Maybe there's, like, label pressure. Maybe there's um, yeah. some kind of expectation that he's built up in his head that doesn't need yeah. to be there. Because, um, honestly, if you ask me, the people people are going to remember, like, like, the meme of, like, a baby being a song. And they're also going to remember, like, <laughs> yeah, his yeah. pretty decent last album, Purpose. Which had like mm-hmm. all his great songs, like, uh, um, uh, is it too late to say? It? Like, that's a that's a pretty yeah. solid song. Um, uh, Love yourself is a solid song. People are gonna remember that. No one's gonna yeah. fucking remember this album because it's very clear that he doesn't have, he doesn't believe in the songs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He doesn't have anything to say. Hmm. Um, I heard this thing and. I'm going to ask you because I'm pretty sure you'll disagree with me. <laughs> but I heard a, a songwriter, my friend was taking a songwriting class and the songwriter professor was like, um, there are three things you can write songs about, love, religion, and politics, and you don't write about religion or politics. <laughs> and... And, and oh, people at home can't see, but we're on Skype, and he just like cringed and winced. You know, what do you think about that? Uh, well, I think it's important to understand like the context of where he's talking about. He's probably right. you know, speaking to. You said he's like in a in a classroom. Like this is like at a university, I assume. Yeah, yeah, it was at a university, but it was like one on one songwriting stuff. One on one songwriting. Okay, so this yeah. was like his teacher, and they're just like in a room. But it, but there's like an educational context, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and education is all about like, all right, I'm going to train you to do this thing, and you're going to go out and make money off of it. The, that's mm-hmm. kind of like the 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 point of like an educational context. Mm-hmm. So, you know, historically, notoriously, um, you know, political songs uh, have a lot of staying power, but they don't have a lot of financial power. So yeah, 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 I understand that part. Um, yeah, but I think as an artist and someone who uh, you know uh, creates art outside of like an educational context, like mm-hmm. fuck that. <laughs> yes. Have you ever performed for like a hostile audience or like an audience that was like, oh, they're clearly not going to be down for the political things I want to say. Um, I've had a couple people kind of just like shrug and they either walk out during my performance and then they'll come back in later or whatever. Um, right. I 
think the most, I don't think I've had anybody like get super hostile, just more people going like, hmm. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I had this song back in that I would play all the time in Texas because it really landed in Texas. And uh, I had this song called uh, Tommy Loren uh, mm-hmm. about Tommy Loren. <laughs> Uh, and the song yes. when uh, Tommy Loren sucked my dick. <laughs> and <laughs> I did that right as you were. As... Yeah, I had a drink. Tell. I almost, I really almost spilled, <laughs> spit my drink out on the laptop. <laughs> um, so the song is called that. Um, and, uh, uh, in Texas, it landed because everyone first everyone knows who Tommy Loren is. Yeah, and for anyone who doesn't know, Tommy Loren is this right wing commentator who's really popular online for being against uh, you know political correctness and the Colin Kaepernick protests and all sorts of stuff. Also, funnily enough, canceled for being pro choice by the right. So I don't think they even listen to her anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like universally just not liked, uh, <laughs> and so it really landed over there. But also the the kind of like, um, uh, the the vibe around that song was always like, like oh that's really funny and he's making some good points. Um, right. When I first played it in New York, uh, there were two things working against me playing that song, and I don't play it anymore, sadly. But mm-hmm. two things were working against me, which was. Um, people would, uh, people would not really either not know who Tommy Loren is or, uh, and then the other thing was that people were like, oh, he's telling another woman to, to suck his dick. That's pretty, that's pretty chauvinistic. And I was like, (laughs) but there's a line in the song where I basically say, um, uh, I, I like, I like make a point about like, like, Hey, look. I'm telling you, I'm saying this really chauvinistic thing, but also like, I'm, I'm doing it because you're, because you're, I'd have to look at the lyrics, but I'm, I'm forgetting the the point, but there, there was kind of like a nod to like, yes, I know it's, uh, oh, I remember, uh, the line was Tom Loren suck my dick. And if you think the song is misogynistic, you should go out into the street and protest it. Um, (laughs) what's, like that that's the exact point uh of the song which is like using i guess the chauvinistic misogynistic way of like characterizing her but then also kind of calling her bullshit and saying like all right you're not gonna you don't even approve like mild uh protests from colin kaepernick so right fuck off um yeah so yeah, so people didn't people didn't really like that song when I played it, uh, <laughs> in New York. So I had to sadly take it off. That's that's hilarious. That I mean, knowing who Tommy Loren is and hearing her talk for way too long, it's hilarious that like it seems like the most pushback you got was in New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's yeah, it's very weird. Did, wait, did you did you like have to see her somewhere and hear her talk, or did you just like? happen to happen upon an interview or like a debate no just online you know Mm, yeah you know Mm -hmm. i always you know i you know i'm voting for bernie in the primaries and unfortunately Mm -hmm. probably biden in the general but Mm -hmm. uh 
but I still listen to those people, you know, like I listen to like Tommy Loren and then Shapiro and then, oh my God. And then Milo when he was really big. Oh God. And, uh, I just like, sometimes I like to torture myself with, <laughs> with people I vehemently disagree with, but I also like want to be, want to know what's going like, on, what the heck is going on, you know? Right. So, yeah. I, I, I feel that I, I would, I went on this, like, uh, you, you know, uh, Jordan, Jordan Peterson, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I fucking hate him. And <laughs> it was like to a point where like, if there was anything Peterson related, whether it's like, like I would actively seek out people who are like trying to defend him and just yeah. like reading them and just like cringing while I read like, well, <laughs> yeah. he didn't mean it exactly like that. You need to yeah, read yeah. his full comments. And he was saying in this con and, like, mm-hmm. I would just read those and just cringe, and I kind of got, like, a weird, like, high off of, like, how cringy, how cringy <laughs> uh, his fan base is. Um, no, I agree. So I, yeah. I totally, I totally uh, sympathize with that. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's a kind of morbid fascination. Mm-hmm. Big but, time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Peterson is like that, too. Like, uh, I remember when I first found him... It was, I was only listening to his lectures and I was like, this is pretty cool. And then I listened to his politics and I was like, man, I really wish I didn't hear those things, <laughs> you know, because, <laughs> because I liked it when he talked about Pinocchio for half an hour, you know, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. The, the hero's journey and, uh, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the dragon or whatever. And yeah. I like, like that stuff. Oh, I like Joseph Campbell. Number three, February 26, 2020. I'm a mess. Full drums. Lazy song. Minimal drums. Amsterdam song. Uh, full drums. Stay. Full drums, but later in the song. Go as a river. Uh, minimal. Baking soda. Minimal drums. Sunny days. Just a shaker. Uh, and spirit and wanderer. I didn't. I didn't get around didn't get around to uh fleshing out what those were but we did perform those what are those that was that's a uh set list for this band i got to uh uh work with um and drum for uh named cardboard rocket ship shout out to cardboard rocket ship hey. uh will tally vincent uh roxanne uh shout out to them oh, okay that's their set list mm-hmm. Do you play? You play drums? Yeah, too? that's the, that's their set list, and um, like a big kind of uh, thing going on right now is that I just kind of like drum for a lot of different uh, groups, people, uh, bands, and uh, Cardboard Rack Ship was the last band I got to drum with, um, and it was for their release show, and they had me guest on drums on those songs, mm-hmm. um, and so that list was kind of like. Uh, me fleshing out like what I wanted to do on each uh-huh. on each song as far as drums go. Oh, yeah. that's cool. How many instruments mm-hmm. do you play? Um, just drums, guitar, harmonica. Um, I think that, I think that's about it. Uh, Which would you say yeah. is your primary instrument? Um, define define primary. Uh, I would guess like. The one that you've done the longest and liked the most. 
done the longest and liked the most, definitely drums. Oh, okay. Definitely drums. Okay. I'm very, I've, I've drummed since, uh, what, sixth, seventh grade. So it was probably like 12, 12, 13. Right. So I've drummed for half of my life. Oh, okay. Um, uh, and I, I think, I think I'm pretty, uh, pretty proficient at drumming. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, only only thing with drums is that you can't necessarily write a song with drums. Yes. Um, unless you want to get really experimental, but you probably won't make any money. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I started picking up the guitar and slowly learning that, and then, um, you know, that has been like the main uh, instrument these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the great thing about New York is that not a lot of drummers are around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if there are drummers, they don't necessarily have the means to do it. And I'm lucky enough to have a lot of like support people who like are either let me borrow or uh, let me uh, kind of like uh, loan out their drums to me. And I, and I get to just play with a lot of, a lot of different groups. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, dr- drums are easily my, my strongest, my strongest instrument, mm. uh, just not the, the thing I've, I've uh, focused on as far as like my own uh, solo stuff. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know what I always say to every drummer? Like, uh, what? Guitar gets the star power of, you know, guitar solos. And like, you know, I feel like even people who don't like music know guitar players and they're like, oh, they're super cool, whatever. But I think everybody mm-hmm. is, is, is really a secret drummer fan. Like if you go to a show and there's a great drum, great drummer, or if you go to a show there's a great drum solo, people will lose their goddamn minds. You know, like mm. way more than for guitar, in my opinion. What do yeah. You, what do you think about Definitely. that? Like, why don't we praise drummers as much? Uh, cause they're cause they're kind of in in the back, <laughs> kind of in the back. Yeah. Uh, just even psychologically, like you're more likely to focus on the dude who's up there going. Bah! yeah uh but but the drums are so damn loud that you can't like ignore the drums yeah uh yeah everyone's a everyone's a secret drummer drummer fan like look at all the people who were like who were you know um morning when uh neil pert neil pert passed away Mm -hmm. um people fucking love neil pert Mm -hmm. um he's one of the best drummers and you could argue that he's more uh, he's more known than the other members of Rush. Right, um, right, right. People are obviously going to be sad when Ringo, when Ringo passes too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, people fucking love drummers. People yeah. fucking love drummers. I agree. I think, I think, and if you have a really good drummer, um, you know, sometimes the drummer can overtake whatever the hell the guitarist is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have a great drummer and a great guitarist, then then you're just you're just fucking set. You're <laughs> yeah. just fucking set. Then you got a great band. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I... if you have a great bassist, <laughs> you're a great band. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are we figuring something out? <laughs> I, I think that's like that's like what we all discovered. Well, I wasn't alive, but that's what the world discovered when the Beatles broke up. Where it was like, oh, John Lennon has a good solo album. Oh, Paul McCartney has a good solo album. George Harrison has an amazing solo album. I mean, they were just, 
<laughs> <They're just laughs> all good by themselves. And then Ringo too. <laughs> and then Ringo, he's he had some he great did. singles. I didn't listen to any of his albums, so I can't say. Oh yeah, no, me neither. Yeah, me neither. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Does he have any like? What are his big singles outside of the Beatles? Um, Ringo's is uh. Uh, sweet, you're 16 in your mind. I forget what that song is called. You're 16 in your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Yikes. wish that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. <laughs> it's something like that. It's like a love song what? about loving a 16 year old. Uh, hold on, I gotta look that up. <laughs> 16 and and your mind. <laughs> You're 16, you're beautiful, and you're mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1973, how old were you, Ringo? Oh, not an acceptable number is going <laughs> to... 33! Yeah! <laughs> you got to watch the video, too. I'd recommend anybody at home as well watch the video. It's, uh... For, for you're 16, you're beautiful, and you're mine? <laughs> yeah, it's like a clearly bearded disheveled ringo and then this like 16 year old girl i don't know if she's actually 16 Holy but shit. it's uh yeah it's a thing yeah they were wild and out back in the 70s yeah things are you know they were wild uh, it's out. super weird things are very different <laughs> very different number four october 28 2019 reviews of foucault fanon Angela Davis, LaRoe. Are those books? Uh, authors. Authors. Oh, okay, okay. Mar Marxist authors. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Or, well, Foucault, I don't know if Foucault's a Marxist, but um, uh, I think this one I wrote because uh, I, I, go, I go to NYU mm -hmm. um getting getting my master's in counseling and um oh like therapy yeah yeah oh, okay mm -hmm. um and i was studying downstairs i guess my building also has like all the philosophy majors or maybe um i don't know what major they were but they were, they were definitely phd students mm -hmm. and they were just like there and they had this huge web of like different people and it started like right here Karl marx and then it went over here there's like foucault and then this person and this person, mm -hmm. and they had just like a web of like different like modern philosophers, um, and I was just like really interested in it because this was def this was like right when I was you know starting to get a little bit more um, uh, defining, like I'd already been pretty political, but I was mm -hmm. defining like where my political, um, uh, I guess leanings and thoughts about it were were like situated mm -hmm. um number five august 27th 2019 contributors margaret sonia steve anila laura alana farah coulter jack ryan ads about the album album all pull from the track listing oh what are those talking about uh a a component of the album uh, marketing, which is, um, if you, if you go on to, to my Instagram, you'll see, uh, I just, uh, uh, I just posted about the mm -hmm. album art for, uh, for my single, the church, the church, mm -hmm. church lawns, um, streaming everywhere, Let's March go. 27th. 
uh, and uh, the the big theme, if if you look at the art, is uh, newspapers. Um, and it's like all in a newspaper font. Everything around the center photo is like uh, different little cutouts and collages from uh, newspapers. Um, and I thought a really cool way to tie that in. I don't know how this is going to go now that you know COVID is running amok <laughs> yeah, of the world. Yeah. Um, but the idea was like, all right, a big theme is is newspapers. How how can we kind of like hit upon that uh, in a in an interesting way to kind of mark the album? I, I thought about uh, literally making fake news, a literal fake mm-hmm. newspaper. Um, and so that's just basically a list of people who I talked to who were interested in writing uh, uh, satirical articles. And oh, shit. like a big article, a big newspaper that's just full of fake news. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Um, the, the draft somewhere around here that I could jump down to see it, but um, it, literally, it literally is just like, uh, looks like a newspaper, but you read it and all the stories are fucking ridiculous. There's like, one opinion article I wrote about uh, uh, the the opinion of the author was uh, Texas should secede <laughs> from from America. That was like one of the articles. Another one was um, was a news article that was basically like, "Don't worry, everybody, America killed ten billion terrorists. The world is safe." <laughs> um, that was one. Um, yeah, just like absolutely ridiculous yeah. shit. Um, all kind of lampooning uh, the kind of cultural uh, post-capitalist, not even post-capitalist, um, just like this ridiculous capitalist world that we live in. Thanks for listening to Notes. Once again, that was Evan Alexander Moore. He's releasing a brand new album on March 27th. Go check him out at Evan Alexander Moore on Spotify and Instagram. If you like the show, please give me a review. Leave me a review on Instagram. Not on Instagram. Leave me a review. Send a letter to my mom. Tell her that you are very proud of me and she should be too. No. Um, leave me a review on on iTunes or Podcast uh, Zone or wherever you listen. If you can leave a review, do that. And subscribe and uh, like, uh, follow me. <laughs> oh, this is totally off the rails. Anyway, I'm on Instagram at Carlos Can't Dance. And if there is a like button or a star thing, just leave the best one that you possibly can. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>